You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the After Laugh. Um, I have a, an acquaintance, someone I don't know. This is a sort of a cold call situation. Yeah. It's but uh, uh, Blake Rose from Alaska. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I am well. I'm warm now, so thank you. <laughs> you're you're warm now. Put the microphone a little bit closer than your mouth than you might be used to, um, <clears throat> just because there is a lot of like outside riding and helicopters and shit. So every once in a while, okay. Um, well, thanks for coming, first of all, because we are we are socially distanced, right? Please confirm. Yes, we are socially distanced. We did fist bump when we saw each other. So that's acceptable. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. Uh, and I did say, I, I, when I coughed, you were like, I'm not worried. Are you, are you one of the people who is kind of like, uh oh, So, uh. I mean, you know, I wear my mask. I use hand sanitizer. I'm keeping my distance. I'm washing my hands. I'm doing all of those things. Um, but I'm not... I'm not fearful because I don't want to live like that, but I'm still cautious. So. Yes, got it. Yeah. Now, a couple of things that interest me uh, about you were, number one, you're an actress. That is, uh, acting is like my initial passion for getting into entertainment. I love it. I, I find actors and comics sort of not in the same plant, not in the same animal kingdom, as it were. Um but I, I, so sometimes I'm like, I want to talk to actors sometimes. Like that. Joe Rogan will famously not have people, not have actors on his podcasts because he think he thinks actors are, are somehow disingenuous or fake all the time. Really? Well, that's unfortunate. I've always wanted to be on his podcast. <laughs> we'll become a comic. All right. But then Michael Imperioli, who he said this to on his podcast was like, who's an actor? Obviously Michael was like, actually it's funny. I feel that way about comics. I feel like comics oh. are always on and not really being who they really are. Huh. So there is a weird division between the two, and I feel like, I, I, look, any any comic becomes an actor once they're famous, right? That's just the way it goes. You get a sitcom, you get a TV show, but like, they don't look at themselves as as actors. I know a lot of really famous, successful, quote unquote, actors who are really just comics, and they're like, Ugh, I don't give a shit about this fucking TV show or this movie. I just want to do comedy. So what would you say about Jim Carrey? Because he started off, you know, kind of both, right? Yeah, and then but then once he got famous, he quit comedy. So that kind of answers that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah. Which is also another thing. Most comics, when they get really successful, and I mean like blockbuster successful, they quit. Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy. Um, I don't think Richard Pryor did. Uh, but a lot. Uh, who else am I thinking of? I feel like there's a lot of people I'm thinking of, and I'm just missing. Who? But it happens a lot. A lot of people, with Jim Carrey, obviously one of them, um, they just no longer feel the need to do stand-up once they become famous as actors. I don't know. So why do you think that is? I think part of it has to do with the fact that <laughs> as a stand-up, no matter what, you are in a position where you are being judged and sort of mimicked and imitated in a way that can be very unsettling, even if you're really famous. As a matter of fact, if you're very, very famous... And you go on stage. Jerry Seinfeld said in a documentary called Comedian, he said, if you're famous, you go on stage, they give you they give you five minutes leeway. Five minutes to be kind of shitty and or mediocre. And if, I don't care who you are, you're Kevin Hart, it doesn't matter. If six minutes in, you're not funny, they're going to be like, boo. 
So that's a lot of stress, right? And you have a lot of people who are just kind of like trying to take you down, a lot of haters online. So if you are a famous actor in your house, your beach house in Malibu, and you're making $10 million a film, why would you subjugate yourself to going on stage in front of people while you're trying to work out a new hour to present for a special where they're like, mm-hmm. Like as, as an actor, you, I'm not saying acting isn't um, a talent because it is a talent, obviously. But you, you look a certain way, right? That is a look that someone's gonna be like, I want this look on my show or on my film. So unless you talk in such a way that you can't sound like a human being, if you look a certain way on camera, you'll work. You'll you'll work for the part. You almost have to be really bad to be bad at a certain level. Do you know what I mean? That's true, I think, to an extent, because, I mean, I've seen really, you know, gorgeous people in whatever production, but I can still tell if they're bad. Of course. Yeah. No, I see it yeah. all I mean, the time. I mean, it helps, you know, it helps to have, you know, a kind of look where you can kind of easily be picked out and at least have a better chance for sure yeah but if you look um, at netflix i don't know if you watch netflix yeah. no I, what is your age range i don't want to say your age because that's obviously an issue well you I look like you're I like don't give a fuck 20 um, 25 i'll be 24 in november okay i was gonna say but 20 okay that's your age range you could probably still play you can maybe even play high school at this point that's sort of like the tail end of the high school years i'm i'm Sometimes I think if I'm not wearing as much makeup, I probably could swing it. But I think at this point, I don't know. I feel like I would look off. But also in every TV show ever, all the high schoolers look like they're like 30. So I know. I just saw Valley Girl, the remake, the musical remake, and the lead girl. And Grant, it's a musical, so that's sort of somehow a different type of reality. But um, the lead girl, who's supposed to be 17, obviously, in high school, was played by a 32-year-old. And it was, what's here's what's distracting, and people listening can't see this. The lines from the nose, the corner of the nose to the corner of the mouth. Yes, that's what, it, what gives it away. The nasolabial, what's, what's that called? I have no idea. I don't the know naso, how you even know the that. The nasolabia. <laughs> it's a real. Nasolabia? Nasolabial? <laughs> uh, not labial. Labial. Nasolabial. And whatever. These two lines. When you're 17, you don't have it. It's just yeah. flat yeah. skin. And then I think. A, around 21 it starts kicking in and these are just the lines that say hey yeah. man I'm living a life I think I have them right a, a, like I'm a teeny there. teeny bit a teeny teeny bit right but I feel like that's a big difference so whenever I'm, I'm watching this Netflix show and I see those lines I'm like motherfucker you're not in high school right so but back to Netflix I feel like I watch a lot of these shows I'm like N so many of these people can't act to the point where if someone really can act and they play a high school kid like American Vandal, if you ever saw that, the lead actor in American no. Vandal, mm -mm. he was fucking great. So when you see it and it's good, you're like, oh my God. Or like Love, Simon, stuff like that. But in general, like the acting is just so bad and there's so much production value around it and everyone's so pretty that you can really disguise it with some fast editing and some quick moves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But we know. But we, we know. know. <laughs> like, we can watch The Blacklist and go, Megan Boone is a terrible actress. She's a, ter she's a terrible actress. And I'm not even saying that in a way that I'm talking shit. Like, she yeah. doesn't... It's clear she doesn't care yeah. about acting. She, she doesn't care in the sense that it's... It, it will cost her soul if she doesn't get to express something. Mm -hmm. as a, I don't think she's ever... Anyway, that sounds shit. And we, shitty. as actors... I mean, if you're going into acting, you have probably experienced every emotion that you can think of. And it's like, if you're not utilizing that, 
I mean, you're not really an actor. Like we go through so much and it's like, use it, you know? So do you think that as an actor, when you have (laughs) like really bad relationships or either with your family or with a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, do you think that sometimes actors stay in those situations just to like garner fuel and juice for performances? Absolutely. I think some of them do, but it's not necessary. You don't have to do that. Like what I've learned is, you know, pay attention when you're going through a breakup. If you're having a really bad fight with your significant other or your mom, whatever it is, while you're going through that, take note of your physical behavior. That way you don't have to stay in that in order to recreate it. You can just take note of this is what I do when I'm feeling this way. And then you just bring that back. And when you do those things, it just puts you into belief so you can relive it again without having to stay in it. That makes sense. So how do you develop your sort of acting technique or philosophy? Was it in a a particular program or you cobbled together? Usually people kind of cut and paste a bunch of different things and they put them together. But what about you? So for me, I actually, I was going to school at Richard Lawson Studios uh, Mm -hmm. for about two years. Um, It's in uh, North Hollywood on Lancashire. Um, yeah, I was there for two years, um, basically. So let's back up a little bit. I want to I like Tarantino this a little bit. Yeah. Before Richard Lawson. So you're from Alaska. Yes. Which is fascinating because it's the only state I haven't been to. The only state you haven't been yeah, to? Yeah, I've been to every state. I haven't wow. been to Alaska. Yeah. I'm a traveler. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Alaska for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, there's still places where you can see the midnight sun, right? Oh, like, yeah. That's where I'm from. Fairbanks. Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to see that. I know they have in Sweden stuff, but um, also you can see still see polar bear, bears in the wild, right? Um, in some place, some people go to barrows. What's the deal with barrows? Yeah, so I think that's where the polar bears are kind of starting to come down to because of all the ice that's melting. I think they're starting to kind of migrate, but normally we don't see polar bears. Um, like where I'm from, like Fairbanks is right in the middle of Alaska. So you don't really see polar bears. Although we did have penguins. Um, and these penguins came from the North pole. So no, I'm just fucking with you. We don't have penguins. Well, I don't know. Don't <laughs> fuck with me. I'm, I'm, I'm a continental American. I don't know, I know. this shit. So, <sighs> so peng- where are penguins? Uh, penguins. Are they South are- pole? Oh, I don't See, know. you're fucking with me. See, you're I don't know. know. I don't know. But that would make sense. All of a sudden, they showed up in fucking Alaska. I know. Like, hey, I what's know. up? They might. I think they might already be figuring it out. I don't know. And I think Alaska is one of those very odd places that people don't know anything about because there's so much in terms of anthropology in Alaska because the Bering Strait. I love when I get to teach people things, and I might be wrong. I'm but kind the, of a piece of shit. I'm from Alaska, but I don't know nearly well, as much. But for I example, should. like so school me, please. Just a few, like. <laughs> Several thousand years ago, and I don't think even that many years ago, like I'm guessing, God, I should be some talking in my ass. <laughs> but something like, um, I mean, less than ten thousand years ago, wasn't there? Wasn't there a land between Russia and Alaska, the Bering Strait? It was like there you could actually travel it. So a lot of anthropologists say that some of the migration, some of the, you know, the demographics of, of ethnicities in America are people who came from the Bering Strait of Alaska down south. That's some of the theories about how Native Americans look like huh. mongoloids and stuff like that. I don't mean mongoloids. That's fascinating. Like I, I have probably... Mongolians. I've probably learned about that. 
I just don't remember because I'm, yes, I'm kind of a piece of shit. Even even let me put it this way: when when uh, Sarah Palin goes, oh my god, <laughs> I could see Russia from my house. Alaska. Everyone, everyone in the everyone in the continent of Leos is like, wait, you can see Russia from your house. So that's the main question that I get when I tell are you serious? Like, yes, that and do there, you have can you polar see Russia? That's can so you, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. But yeah. there are polar bears all over Alaska, though. That's not that's no. not a myth. No, it's not true. Don't they like rummage through trash and like fuck with people? I mean, regular bears, yes, but not polar bears. Are these are they grizzly bears or black bears? Um, I mean, there's both. Um, but I think I feel like grizzly bears are. Wow. You wouldn't see them like rummaging through your. So trash polar bears are actually very rare in Alaska, except for this place, the Bar- Barrow, Alaska, which I'd heard yeah, about. Yeah, I think so. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. So you cannot see Russia from your house. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. But you could probably see it with like a telescope or binoculars or how close is it? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I think, I mean, literally like from my house. I mean, I lived in like eight different houses in Alaska, but like, I don't think from any of them, you could just look out the window. Like you would have to go <laughs> to f- like, that'd be crazy, yeah. right? If you just look out. Are the there window any tall see, buildings like, in Alaska that you can get to? Any skyscrapers or is everything kind of like are, low? But they're very, very small. Um, I think if yeah. you went to Anchorage, Anchorage, I would say is like the LA of Alaska. Everyone's okay. like going to Anchorage for the weekend. Oh my God. Whatever. I want to go so bad. It's whatever. Uh, yeah, but there's some, I wouldn't say they're like skyscrapers. Like, but you can only build an igloo so tall, right? Yeah, you know, after a while, it that gets was to a, a joke. Point where the where the ice will start to melt on top because if the sun hits it. I love how you yes anded that. Yes and. You know, uh, I do consider myself somewhat of a comedian myself. Yeah, obviously, as an actor, I think you have to be in, on all forms. I'm actually so, going to be taking a comedy so. Class. You just said something very interesting. You said you live in eight different houses. Oh yeah. Are you from a very f- fucked up upbringing, for yes. lack of a better word? Oh yeah. Why? Fantastic. Um, I mean, there's a lot, really. Um, there's a lot that's happened with my family. Um, sorry, just mom. Say the love juicy, you. Just say the juicy stuff. Oh 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 oh! They're gonna be listening to this. Maybe, but I don't. Probably fuck. not. I, I don't care. Okay. Like I don't care. I don't care at all. Um, I mean, I won't get into like details. I will probably you know tell you later eventually. But my parents did divorce when I was nine. Um, and so, yeah, um, my dad got with another woman and, and so did my mom. So now she Both with another woman? Yeah. Yeah. So my mom's gay as fuck. And... Nice. Yeah, it's super dope. I absolutely, like, my stepmom changed my life. Like, I don't know where I would be if... So your mom married another woman? Yeah. So they divorced and then they both married other people. Okay. So... Are your, are your mom and dad friends? No. No, they no. hate each other. They're like, hate each other. <laughs> I think if I were to get a divorce with someone and then my ex became a lesbian, I'd be like, oh, that's why you divorced me. Not because I'm a piece of shit, because <laughs> you're a lesbian. You I just told I, I just told wonder this. what my dad's thought. I always uh, wonder. What your, did you say your dad's thought? Oh, I meant like like my dad. I was like, has, your dad became gay? Okay. No, that no. would be, I could not see that. No. I did have a joke one time where I said, um, Women hate it when they're dating a guy who's bisexual, and men hate it when they're dating a woman who's not bisexual. So, um, meh, 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 meh. I don't do it that much, but it's a solid, solid joke in the red states. So, um, your parents got divorced. You moved around. You mostly were in Fairbanks. Yep, I was in Fairbanks until I was nineteen. 
19. And at this point, because I imagine in Alaska, there's not a huge contingency of people who are like, I'm going to move to LA and be an actor. What was the industry in the town? Like, what is everyone up to there? A lot of fishing going on? A lot of fishing. A lot of canning? A lot of canning. A lot of, um, my stepmom and my mom, they used to have bees. So they, they had beehives in the backyard. And so they would do that. People like to make jam, you know. Um, they like to... My dad once shot a moose from his doorway with a uh, crossbow. That's pretty badass. It was pretty badass. By the way, I've never seen meese. Mooses? Oh, meese is fine. Meese? It's not official, but I say meese. I've never seen meese <laughs> live or whatever, like. But I think I've seen them in a zoo. But they're fucking huge. They're huge. They will kill you. People who have not seen a moose, I was about to say mouse, people who have not seen a moose, they go to these places like Canada or Alaska and they're like, what the fuck? Because they will, they will kill people. They, they will do kill, kill people, right? You. I've had nightmares about that. Like, Have you seen anything? Or was it like local news would be a moose just killed a person? Yeah. I mean, the most thing, the most common thing that you'll see is car crashes. Oh, yeah. Like if it, a moose walks across the road and you hit it, you will probably die. Because yeah. they're so big. Um, so that's, you see that a lot, which is really, really sad. Um, it's, it's very rare that you'll actually hear about a moose killing somebody. I don't remember the last time I heard about that. Um, but no, one time when I was like, I want to say six or seven, um, I was in the back of my house and like behind our house was just woods. If you yeah. just continue to walk, just woods. Yeah. And um, I was out there with my friend and I'm facing her. She's facing the backyard. And, uh, and she just goes, Blake. Blake turn around and I'm like what and I turn around and there's a moose probably from like where you're sitting to that like heater right there right yeah, behind so it's you about like maybe 10 yeah, feet standing right there yeah and um I think it sensed that we were children and that we were no harm because it just kind of sat there and looked at us but we were like ah! and just ran inside <laughs> so fast and when scary when moose do attack do they like lower their giant antlers and ram people is that what they do um i think they like to stomp is oh. their thing i'm sure they use the antlers too but um they will like trample you yeah the thing what do you think the biggest misconceptions people have about alaskans and alaska in general that we uh, have polar bears they, everywhere they have polar bears everywhere and that you can see russia from your house yeah and that we live in igloos uh or that we um uh don't have tvs or that there's no black people uh, well those, those i mean there can't be that many black people. There are actually. Really? There are. In there all are. the cities? Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I would say so. Um, and what is your ethnicity? Because you look partly Asian to me. People, I, yeah, I get that a lot. Um, as far as I know, I'm Polish and Swiss. So as far as you, you haven't done the DNA 23andMe, no. you're not interested? I'm interested, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just haven't really done it. Like my dad spent years kind of building this like family tree and figuring oh, really? out where exactly we were from, at least my dad's side. So I know I'm Swiss. Swedish and po Swiss and Polish is an interesting combination. You yeah. don't see a lot of that. So my mom's side's all Jewish. So that's where the Polish comes from. Ah, so are you Jewish? Do you identify as Jewish? I technically, yes, I'm Jewish. Um, You're Jewish. I'm Jewish. You don't you know practice I mean? it. Yeah. We just I'm, passed Yom Kippur and you didn't give a shit. In other yeah, words. I, I'm a bad, I'm a bad Jew. I, I don't really do any of that. I mean, I like to celebrate Hanukkah because I've been doing it since I was little. Sure. So, you know, this year I want to get like a little menorah and do my own little like Hanukkah thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's I'm, I'm Jewish. 
You're Jewish. I totally get that. <laughs> I imagine not, not a lot of Jews in Alaska. Come on, be honest. That must have been no, rare. No. I mean, we had, like, I remember we had, a, like, a, a family that we were, we were close friends with. They were, like, my grandparents' best friends or something. And so we would go over there every Passover. Um, but, I mean, other than that, I don't remember ever meeting any other Jews yeah. in Alaska. So, yeah. um, so you're, you're in Fairbanks. Now, I think people, the only names that you hear in Alaska, you hear uh, Anchorage, and then you hear Nome for some reason. Yeah. I think because of crosswords. Nome is a, a, a frequent word using crosswords. Town in Alaska, four letters. Hmm. I'm serious. Everyone knows Nome. Really? But Fairbanks, you don't really hear it. Like, what's the difference between Fairbanks and Anchorage? Because you got a little attitude. You got a little sassy when you brought up Anchorage. Is it like the New York versus L.A.? question because in new york we're like even not even it's like fairbanks is like the the florida of alaska (laughs) you know like fairbanks man slaps woman with a fish like yes so you grew up so it's a little bit of the wt a little bit of the white trees ash yeah okay so there's a certain amount of pride Super growing up in places. Super and uh, you know we like trucks and beer. Yeah, yeah. And women. Got it. Yeah. And there's and the population, the native. This is going to be whole about learning Alaska, and then we're going to get to the second thing I want to talk to. There are three things I want to talk to you about. For sure. The Inuit pop- population mm-hmm. in Alaska mm-hmm. is that is there tension in that I remember when I was in Canada because I imagine it's probably similar. Yeah. And people, as much as people want to pretend that Canada is this utopia of everyone's loving each other peacefully, there is a huge divide between the natives of Canada and then the colonialists, if you will. And the natives, like the Native Americans uh, in in U.S., have been fucked over, but it's been done in a different, more gradual way where it just still exists as this resentment. Like, I feel like Native Americans in America like, yeah, we get it. It happened. Fuck you guys, and we'll take the reservation. But in Canada, it's still a brewing process. There's still a lot of like land being taken and, and controversy between who owns what. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just wondering, in Alaska, how does that, how does that look? Um, so I know there hasn't really, at least as far as I know, there hasn't been much going on, although I do think... Um, I know Trump was just trying to get something past where um they were going to like build some oil shit uh (laughs) out in the wilderness or something like that which i think is super fucked um because that land is is absolutely uh, sacred it's untouched it's almost untouched. all of alaska is pretty much untouched in terms of oil yeah so he's just about to fuck everybody so i'm really and no one knows about that no, no one, no one ever hears anything about Alaska. There's also a lot of police brutality out there too towards, you know, the natives. And um, I didn't even know about it. I was kind of thinking like people would ask me, oh, well, there's probably not as much, you know, police brutality in Alaska, right? And, and at first I was kind of thinking, you know, no, you know, it's not really that bad. But um, I've talked to some people and, and I guess it always has been very much like the way it is everywhere else like yeah. the police are the police and you know you know so um yeah yeah uh i think the police also like um it's such a difficult thing to talk about in terms of police brutality because it is bad everywhere and if there's something that is other with the person who they are pulling over whether the other is 
black or native where it's going to exacerbate their fear and yep. make their behavior worse so yep. it's it's uh so that's really interesting that the, the native thing it's not like their kids in school like hey it's the na- like where their nicknames no. like it's the fucking rah. no i mean i mean you know there's shitty people everywhere and i'm yeah. sure some people have acted like that but i've never seen it you never not saw it. So, from any of my friends so racial not- tension wasn't a real problem in alaska in general i mean I think it is. I think it is a problem. I just have yet to see it. Interesting. But I do strongly believe that it is a problem. Got it. And you were going to public schools around Fairbanks and uh, and then at what point did you decide you wanted to be an actress? I've always wanted to be an actress. Since, I love when people say, I've always wanted to be. <laughs> just like to get the look, like yeah, the little mermaid. Like, I always, like, look at this stuff. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, I always wanted to since I was little. And, and you told your parents that and they were like, shut up. No, can some fish. They were never like shut up, but they never thought that I would make it here. I don't think. Like yeah. since I've been here, they've been really supportive. But you know, I mean, I and you know, my mom put me in like acting camps over the summers and things like that. Um, but once I actually came out here, because it was a very like. So you didn't, you didn't go to undergrad for acting. No. no, I haven't. I went to school actually for like a semester. I was living in Arizona for like a year and a half after I'm I sorry. left Alaska. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where in Arizona? Mesa. I'm really Mesa. sorry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was cool. I mean, my grandparents were letting me live with them and it was fun. And, um, but I was going to school for like a semester to do, uh, social work, something in social work. Um, and then, and I was working, I was selling cars at the time too. And I like sold this guy his car and then we hit it off. And then we ended up dating for like a year, <laughs> but he lived here in, in Orange County. And so I came here with him. And then when I realized I was in California and had the opportunity to act. Yeah. And you had his car that you could just fucking take. <laughs> now I got my own car. I got my own car. So you're dating this guy in Orange County. You, you were having this long distance but you were still in school but then you're in Orange County you're like I'm hop skip and jump away from LA yeah my dad's actually the one who um he he called me and he was like so you're in California how far are you from LA and I was like oh well, about an hour and he was like so you're not acting because whoa it's like well, a supportive parent yeah yeah seriously but like you hadn't dropped out of school yet um, at that point, I, yeah, no, I wasn't in school anymore. I was going to school in Arizona. And then when I moved to, um, after like that school year, I guess ended, then that's when I moved to California. But you, so you had to drop out of school in Arizona though. I didn't even like drop out. You just kind of stopped I going. Ever, I wasn't ever like officially really in it. I only took two classes, classes because okay. I felt like I was okay. a piece of shit for not really doing anything with my life. Yeah. So I was like, let me just see. Social if- work. Give back. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I want to give to myself a little bit more, I think, for a while. I'm in my 20s. Can I be selfish for a decade? So you OC, and then you're with this guy. He's in the OC. Where in the OC? Uh, Placentia. God, all these weird places I don't don't really know. I don't know. Anyway, so, and you, so how, so at that point, okay, you're an hour away from LA. Yeah. But how do you go, now I'm going to be an actress? Because that's a big moment. I was just like, now or never I feel like once I have the feeling I have to do it and you know and I told my my boyfriend at the time I told him about it how I was thinking about going into acting and and his first question was okay well what happens when you have to kiss a guy (laughs) and I was like okay well valid 
but also I don't care. So I'm going by to. By the way, by the way, not valid. What happens is I will give him the best kiss he's ever had in his entire fucking life. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I have kissed many a man uh, now since being an actor, so he would not be happy. Great guy, though. Honestly, probably the best boyfriend I've ever had. Um, but that, that was the thing that just, it wasn't going to work. So no. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go and good luck. And so I came out here. Yeah, good for you. And you you came here with a what was the Miley Cyrus lyric with a dream and a cardigan? <laughs> oh, uh, 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 By the way, if you think Pardon the USA is not a great song, I will bite you. That song is fucking great. All right. Well, I guess we got to scrap then because. Yeah. Because Pardon the USA is the tits. All right. We'll get back to that later. You know so, what? No judgment. Miley Cyrus is cool. You get up, you get up there, and you have your car. I mean, do you have a place to live? How, how is that? Because oh. I think a lot of people are always kind of curious about the move to LA because it does represent sort of the height of all entertainment dreams, like the move to LA. I, sweet Jesus, dude. Let me tell you. So. Yeah, give me your craziest story, dude. Dude. So this was. So I made a little list of shit that I might want to talk about, and this was actually on here. I'm gonna. Uh-huh. I'm gonna title it "Maggots in the Microwave." Okay. Right? So. This little bit's going to be called Maggots in the Microwave. So this girl that I knew um, in Alaska, I just kind of like vaguely knew her. We were in a theater camp together in Fairbanks. And when she heard that I was in California, she was like, oh, my God, if you ever come to L.A., like, you know, you can live with me for a little bit. You know, it'll be great. Whatever, whatever. And via Facebook, I imagine is a way that people find this shit out. Uh, I think she messaged me over like Instagram or something. Okay. Um. But yeah, so when the time came that I was like, no, I like for real want to go to LA. She opened up her home to me, which was very, very sweet. Like she saved me. She had a I house? Was, no, she was just in a studio um, in Los Feliz. Um, so where did you stay? Because I, I stayed with her. In, in the, the bed? In the studio. Well, she had a couch. Um, like a little pull-out couch. That's so young actress. I yeah, love it. I just didn't care. I you was didn't like, care. You're and here. And I was about but, to sleep in yeah. my car. Like I was fully of prepared to sleep in my car. Which is like, so tons of stories. I know I so many care. people who slept in their cars. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was willing to do anything. Um, so it was really sweet, right? But I didn't realize when I got there the way that she lived. You know, very, oh. very sweet girl. Very sweet girl. I owe her my life. I owe her my fucking life. But she needs mental health. So, like, the day that I get there, I go to, like, <laughs> I just go to take a shower, and there's, like, cat shit in the tub, because she hadn't cleaned the, the cat box. And I was like, okay, you know what? It happens. I'm just going to let it go. And so I scooped that shit out of the tub and bleached it and took my shower, whatever. And then, I think it was that same night, I went to go uh, make food. And I opened the microwave and I saw like some rice in in the bottom of it underneath oh, the tray. No. And it was like it looked like water. By the way, you shouldn't title it mi- maggots in the microwave because it's, it's a spoiler alert. Bill yeah, title. I realize as I'm saying it, <laughs> as I'm saying it, I'm like, fuck. There was supposed to be like a great reveal, but whatever. But anyway, uh, so I take the tray out and take a closer look and realize that the rice is moving. Oh. And I'm like, that's not rice. <laughs> That's not rice. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of traumatizing to say the least. Did you confront her? Were you like, hey, what's going on? Are you like peeing in jars too? I mean, was she just messy? I mean, this that's not messy. I'm messy. I'm, that's you know, I can dirty. be messy, but I can't that's be dirty. dirty. I can't. 
Dirty yeah. and messy are two completely different things. So, I mean, we kind of talked about it, but I mean, I can tell she's got a lot going on. And I know that I think her family had maids or something um, back home. So. And she's also out in LA pursuing her dream. She's actually, she's not here anymore. I think she's in Orange County now. Okay. Um, but she was out here at the time. And yeah, she was, you know, doing the whole acting thing. She, she did help me a lot with... Um, figuring out where to start. Yeah, what did you like, do? Like, what, wh- how do you have money? What, where did you work? What did you so, do? So, um, basically, so <laughs> I came out here with only like $100. Like, I was ready to sleep in my car. I did not care. Sure. Did not care. I always so love I that I came out with $100 stories or I came out with 20 bucks or 50 bucks. Those are the best. Yeah. You should probably lower it from 100 going forward like if you 20. ever get on like the Tonight Show. Yeah. Just say I had, I had eight, like $84.25. Just have... A specific exactly. like, number, so it's just remember. you can't be lying if it's that, yeah. Yeah, so I came out here with a hundred dollars, and um, yeah, basically, I was broke as fuck, I was broke as fuck, um, so it was really hard for a while, but um, I started class almost immediately. And this um, class is who, who's this guy you said? So, this is Richard Lawson. How does one find an acting class in LA? Because I feel like there's a lot of scam artists, there for, are, for, there's a lot of like. They they try to create this cult of it's if you ever watch Barry on HBO. Oh, I've seen a few episodes. The Henry Winkler character. Oh yeah. There's a lot of those characters out in LA where they're basically you know, they, they had middling careers as actors. They they start running a class. Really what they want to be is famous actors. Because they're not, they're a little bit bitter. They treat their students like they're running a goddamn martial arts dojo. They instill discipline that really doesn't enforce any type of acting technique yeah. or, or quality. They just want to be mean. They, they like, create like a cult. Yeah. Like, and so, um, and I think Barry does it pretty well. I've heard a lot about it. I know a lot of teachers. I've seen teachers who behave this way. And they rake people over the coals, not only mentally and emotionally, but financially. Like these poor kids come up with nothing and they go, well, hey, listen, if you want to book this, you got a big audition, right? Meanwhile, it's a pre-read for fucking NBC. Like, you gotta use Ivana Chubbuck. I know she's three hundred dollars a fucking session, and that's what you're getting paid for the week. But it's worth it. And I'm telling you this now: it's fucking not worth it. There's no audition teacher who is going to give you some magic fucking trick to yeah. decide how to do a scene. Uh, a good one will help your acting. A bad one will just give you direction and a yep. couple of like ideas, like here's a choice. Yep. But I think the best you can ever. Uh, get from an acting coach is maybe two or three choices that you wouldn't have come up with otherwise. It's a fucking racket. Yes. And it's part of the reason why it's my side hustle is because I see all these comics who become famous as comics and they get acting opportunities, which is always a thing. Like I always tell this joke about Mitch Hedberg, who's a very, very famous comic who's dead now, who was like a one liner. He always talked like this. I don't know if you know who he was, but he would say, man, <laughs> When I was a comic, I would say, man, you're really really funny, man. Can you act? What? That's like saying, man, I like the way you farm. Are you also a chef? And, it's, and it kind of is the same thing because they aren't necessarily the same. Yeah. But the minute you have your comic with any TV cue, they want to shoehorn you into uh, sitcoms. And these kids, they don't know how to act. They don't know the rules. They don't know what it means. They just don't know. They only speak their own lines. Mm-hmm. So they go and they... Their agent or manager, I see him a little bit, goes, hey, go to this person. They spend $100, $200, and they have shitty auditions because they don't really know how to act. 
You know what I mean? So um, anyway, that's a long segue. Yeah. You go to this guy. Obviously, that was not your experience with this guy. You liked him. Yeah. No, the teaching is, um, it's incredible, really. Um, it's very much about figuring out what you can play immediately and then going from there. So like you really, so like the teacher will look at you and, you know, after a couple exercises, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, okay, I think by the way you look and the way you act naturally, you can play this, that, and that. So then you take those castings. And this is for, a, yeah, this is for audition, for a realistic career. It's not about like going into the heart of darkness. It's about like your type, this is what you will make money in. It's about both. Okay. Both. Because there is a lot of deep shit that you have to go into or sure. in order to reach some of those ideas of, you know, um, what to do in a scene. Um, so basically, I mean, yeah, it's really at, at first when you first get to this class, they teach you, you know, about your first circle of casting is what they say. So then you, you really hone in on that and you, you nail it. And so what was there, that for you? What was your fir- first so circle of casting? My first circle of casting, um, were actresses like Kristen Wiig, Anne Hathaway, Emmy Rossum. So comedic actress for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I would take scenes of theirs and bring them into class. And then when I felt like those characters, like I was pretty comfortable acting like myself, essentially, then I'd move on to, you know, my second circle of casting. So when you move to the next class, then you're working on your second circle. And I don't even remember what those were for me. I remember getting my casting, but I don't remember anymore. Um, but yeah, it's, it was really transformative I've learned a lot about myself I've learned a lot about the business because not only do they teach you how to act they teach you how to navigate the business because you are running your own business as an yeah. actor and more and more that's the case obviously yeah yeah so so what um, do they teach you what the same because I went to I went to graduate school at NYU I don't know if you know anything about the grad programs no not really but in uh, I, I guess to the more prestigious Grab programs. I mean, obviously, Juilliard probably has the biggest reputation, but the other one that's kind of in competition with it is like, um, is NYU, right? They're like, we're also, and there are a lot of obviously famous people from NYU, but they're very much like conservatory, like get in there, like dig up, roll up your sleeves and do Shakespeare for three years and do oh, Chekhov for three years. And damn. none of it is anything that you would ever get cast in unless yeah. you are that rare Shakespeare and actor who wants to do regional theater for the rest of your fucking life I'm at good. Williamstown. I'm good. So, so it's very and like we don't have like we have one day for like like a, like maybe one week for like hey working on film which I feel should be a huge part of <laughs> the curriculum anyway so um when you when you took this, this is a two year program one year program so it's it's ongoing um but the way Got I was it. I think this is where I this is the other idea that I was about to talk about. Um, so the way I was paying for it was because I came here broke, right? But in Alaska, you get paid to live there. If you're born there or have been there for seven years, you get a dividend. So to live in Alaska. So if I'd give myself, if I paid someone's Con Ed bill in Alaska, their electric bill, instead I have an address there because I, because <laughs> I have you a mailing address. I, mean, I, I could do that for seven years and start getting money. I mean, they might look into it a little bit more than that. Uh-huh. But I mean, maybe I don't know. If you guys want to run a scam right now, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to be—I don't want to be too crass. But what is the dividend that they would give you? Is it a weekly or monthly dividend? Oh, it was just once a year, but you'd get um, around a thousand to two thousand dollars. So, oh, 
so my mom saved those for me. Oh. So every year of my life, like that's how I was paying for like, um, you know, I'd, I'd play different sports. So that money would pay for my sports or my acting Got over it. the summer. Um, and so I had like $8,000 of that left. Holy shit. And that's so good. That'll get you through like a year. It got me through two years. I actually just finished up. I ran out of money just before COVID hit. So but you will not get more now because of your Alaska no, residency. because oh. I'm not living there. I don't get it anymore. You can't fake it? Oh, God damn it. That's so silly. <laughs> You can't be uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I think wish. you made a mistake there. I think you could still be both. I mean, I'm always I trying to scam the U.S. government. You know what? Unofficially, as you, as you should. They are scamming us. Yeah. So what were you doing for work? Because obviously, eight thousand dollars is enough to like live, really. I so so the thing was uh, so my mom. Um, so yes, that money was legally mine, but my mom had it in her bank account. Yeah. So she had ultimate control over when I got that money, how much I got. So I had to go to her and be like, hey, mom, I have to pay for class. Can you send me over three hundred dollars? Yeah. And she'd be like, OK. So I never actually saw it. I never touched it. I actually tried to transfer it into my account. Yeah. And then she moved it back. So um, I don't really know why. I mean, I'm sure she just didn't want me to spend it all. That makes before. sense. She's yeah, being protective. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. But did you have other jobs? You must have had something. Yeah. I mean, I eventually, um, I worked at Maison Midi slash American Rag. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Maison Midi with like the cafe in the back and everything yeah, on La Brea. Yeah. So I worked there. Um, for just a few months, but my boss was a psychopath. So I quit and then actually ended up moving to Venice and I lived with these hippies who were doing Reiki for people. <laughs> and that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. But, um, is, is that, now when did you start getting involved in witchcraft? Cause that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. When I was nine. Whoa. Yes. I could not tell you how I came across it or how, like no one taught it to me. My earliest memory, um, is I mean I always liked witches but I remember sitting at like the family computer and I was like looking at spells I guess and I just remember seeing this symbol the pentacle Mm -hmm. um, on the screen and I was memorizing my first spell I still know it to this day I never use it but um, yeah that's like my earliest memory I was like nine and ever since then um, I've loved it I mean I so I gave it up actually for 11 years um, my when I told my family that I thought I was a witch my dad made me read a bible every night got it to kind of yes to de-witchify yourself de-witchify me he's so, cool with it now he doesn't so care, when, when you said that you're a witch you meant like you felt that you had some sort of preordained spiritual connection to this world that other people didn't have not that not necessarily that other people didn't have it because everyone has it not everyone's willing to open themselves up to so it. you are you are open to this now how's that look how does that manifest itself when you say that what do you mean because i will say that in terms of the spiritual world in terms of the multiverse and my higher self if I want to fuck with my higher self i smoke really good weed oh god i love weed oh good god if um should I bust them out? It's legal. We don't have to whisper about it. Some of my earliest podcasts are people smoking weed fucking nonstop. And Dude, I, and oh I have yeah. no you idea if they're good. Let me just whip this bad boy out. Okay, you know, we're going to pause this then. Yeah, you want to pause it? All right. Yeah, let's pause this for a second. Hold on. How do I pause it? Oh, here you go. Okay, we are smoking a little bit. You, you keep that joint. Okay, I'll keep it. My tolerance, unfortunately, has built up. Yeah. But not as, but, um, not as much as I would like. 
Actually, I used to be this will do it for me. This I used to be, be a two hitter, and I was like, I was like talking to my higher self. Then anyway, the thing I was saying, <laughs> yes, talking to your higher self. Um, so as you sort of went into witchcraft, is there a part of you that feels? I know there's good witches and bad witch and white witch and black witch. Um, for some reason, I'm drawn to people like that. I was a kundalini yoga instructor, so it's kind of like part of my world that I kind of stay. Wait, did you say you're a kundalini yoga instructor? I used to be, yeah. What the hell? That's yeah. dope. Yeah, until you find out that every fucking Indian guru that ever came to America molested all of their students. So the guy in, in Venice, uh, the one the that hippie was commune. The, hip, the hippie in Venice, yeah, he yeah. was like that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He had a man bun, probably? Tattoos? Little barbed wire tattoo around tattoos, but he had the man bun. He would like he thought he was Jim Morrison. But Um, did he also play the male feminist card? Yes. Oh Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. He was like the most holy, just immaculate being that you would ever meet. Like I knew that it was bullshit from the beginning. Is whatever. But yes, I got got you. So anyway, call personalities. I understand. So um, I'm very much intrigued by the spiritual world and i'm more intrigued now since this year i took mushrooms for the first time and started experiencing that and i would experience things on mushrooms that we can talk about some other time because i've talked about before where um where i would i would experience something and i go what the fuck is this experience i would look it up and sure enough joe rogan would cover on his podcast i was like or 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 people on his podcast like you have ufologists and different people would talk about how you can manifest alien life forms with conscious thought. Crazy shit, right? And I would usually just go, no, nah, that's dumb. Except so much shit in 2020 has come out as like true and real and so beyond our comprehension. Like the Epstein shit I had been looking at since 2016. Mm-hmm. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I was like, just watch. Yeah. In a few years. And it happened, and I was like, y'all thought I was crazy. Y'all literally looked at me like I was a fucking psycho. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. So when you say that you are naturally more open, is that a, an emotional open or just a spiritual openness that people don't cultivate or d- they don't know how to cultivate? Um, and how, how did you first know, I'm, I think I'm different. I think I'm connecting away. Did you... Sp- speak to a ghost or something no there were actually a lot of different things um so so i i crystal read now i have a crystal ball i have a like black uh obsidian scrying mirror and do you have clients uh i do actually you should Um, yeah i so i used to work at i don't know if you've ever heard of cloak and dagger that club it's like the private god sounds very it sounds it's already i already know what it is they're done. A bunch of shit just went down. Was it involving someone in power fucking someone not in power again? Yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, there's a lot. We can talk about that later. But I would, I would do, you know, crystal reading there for yeah. people. And so I've, you know, cultivated like clients. I guess you could say through that. Sure. Um, but there were a lot of things that I would do. Like when I was little, I didn't know what it was. But I would look at like a campfire or something. Um, like my dad used to make campfires all the time and so i would just sit there and just like stare into the fire and i would see shit i would see shit in it and then those things would like, happen daddy what's that dancing person in the fire your dad's like oh, what are you talking about literally like i went to my dad and i was like dad i am seeing things in this fire and then it's like happening and i think i'm a witch and then he was like you know that's great honey and then let's I was, go to church tomorrow yep let's go to church tomorrow so 
Um, My dad said I, it to me when I was dating a black girl, but go ahead. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, wish that was fuck. a joke. <laughs> God damn it, man. Oh, fuck. Um, anyway, so... So I, you said this, and it was something... Was it like a mantra that you were telling your mom and dad, like, kind of casual? Like, yeah, I'm a witch. And they were just like... Huh? Yeah. Yeah, because okay. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. I was just like, Dad, like, I think, I think I'm think i a witch. And, and did I you have any pop culture influences that made you feel David like... David Bowie. David I Bowie. Didn't, I didn't know that. He's until, on your t-shirt. Oh, shit, he's on my t-shirt. Yeah. Um, David Bowie, but I didn't realize that that was my influence until much later in life. How so? Because when I was little, I became a Bowie fan because of Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, you know, was, you know started listening to his music and so this is crazy actually i was just a big i've always been a big bowie fan but after i got back into witchcraft i heard this story um basically about how bowie was living in the house on doheny down there Uh uh-huh and he was like on coke and only eating peppers and shit (laughs) like it was that it was that it was that stage oh the 70s yeah so but during that time, he became literally possessed, and there was a demon in his pool, and even his wife at the time saw it, and uh-huh. so they called in this witch from New York, Wally M. Lark. So wait, she, we'll back up for a second, because I want more details. Yeah. So he's doing this shit, and he becomes possessed, not just under the influence of all these drugs. He becomes literally possessed by I believe by it was an actual possession. And he because, said that publicly. Um, no, this is sort of biographies I, about him or something, or... Yeah, I mean, I've just read it multiple times. Yeah. I think it's true. Sure. I mean, like, that woman, that witch, um, wrote a book about it. And... So, they, the witch comes from New York. They call the... There are no witches in L.A.? I feel like that's where they would I be. I think there are now. Yeah. But at the time, um, I don't know, for some reason, she was, like, the witch. Like, all of the movie stars, Big rock stars, stars whatever, used her for to her. And not for possessions they went to her for like everything i think but like she, how much of my soul can i sell to become a movie star type of deal no. oh my god no i hope not <laughs> i hope not i mean who knows but um anyway so i just i read about that and she inspired me like that whole story inspired me and she was also able to exercise the demon from david bowie yeah. and did david bowie then become an aficionado of witchcraft after that he so what I believe, um, I mean, I have listened to some interviews where he talks about how um, he, well, so during that period where he was in the Doheny house, he was drawing pentagrams all over the walls. And mm. there was a point where he was following, um, he's talked about it. There was a point where he was following um, Alistair Crowley. And if you guys teaching, don't know who Alistair Crowley is, he's basically the the founder of the Church of Satan, right? Um. No, I think that's um, Anton LaVey, but uh, Alistair Crowley uh, basically, I mean, I don't know a lot about him. I know he was a shit, but And he was connected to L. L Ron Hubbard, who also yes. dabbled with the shit, yeah. Exactly. And they had a whole thing so, like, get a, get a redhead woman, have the fucking, give birth to the Antichrist and all that crap, yes. All that crap. If you guys ever want to be in Scientology, just know that that's where it started, okay? There you go. We'll just... Leave it at that. Leave it at that. That's literally <laughs> what I was going to say. Oh, there's so much we need to talk about. Fuck. But anyway, basically, um, yeah. So that whole thing inspired me in some way. I can't really put my finger on it exactly why or I don't know. But I honestly, um, 
oh by the way there did come a point where he no longer followed Aleister Crowley because he was a shit Mm -hmm. so don't think I'm like oh my god I love Aleister Crowley like fuck that guy um but oh my god I'm so fucking high already you can you can google do you want the geeky the joint yeah (laughs) you can google Aleister Crowley if you want to hear about this but it is a bit it's all very fascinating what people don't realize almost kind of like Epstein and the the pedophilia is he was hooked up to a lot of people in entertainment a lot of big hollywood stars like and producers it's all true dude yeah like it, it nothing surprises me anymore like sammy davis was a satanist so it's like hey yeah. man you know i'm a satanist right yeah i don't i don't fuck with that um i don't fuck with that so uh and one of the things um about working with cloak i actually just talked to a journalist from la times about this this whole thing and basically i felt that the owners were literally siphoning my energy um and using me basically as a battery to manipulate people and um yeah i was super fucked up and you know how did you know that was happening how did you experience that how did it look like basically so in the time that i was working there i just felt like every night after i would go to the club i would feel so drained and i would feel horrible and what would you what would ha- i know it's a secret society but what do you do at the club when you're at cloak and dagger is it just you give readings so basically is it eyes wide shut type of action going on no so dude like i can't give you details because there was a point where i was in the club and i was pulled into a ritual and i was drunk i was really really drunk and some deities were called upon that i can't even speak about because i'm afraid that if i do Mm-hmm. you know something's gonna come back but like sure. that's how serious that shit was and you know i can't i can't say that that's all it was because it was you know a dance club and we made so many amazing friends and like the music was really good honestly i always dug the music so it was so there's fun. a lot of creativity and going on as well yeah and like it's not like all the rituals were bad like a lot of these people were helping people and like when i would because i would lead rituals in the club and what i would do um, I would basically just do the rituals that I do by myself at home. I, I kind of open my circle with a sound bowl. I put everyone into like this little meditation. And sound and bowls I, are also something very widely used in a lot of yoga. Yeah, they're really, they're and powerful and calming and healing. And so I wanted to bring as much love into that space as possible because I did believe that that's what it was at first. Got it. Now, was there a sort of, um, manifesto that they had? What they want to do, did they denounce black magic? Was it something that... They used black magic. Did they say that, that was that part of the deal? Like, by the way, guys, we fuck with black magic. Or is that something no, you just found out? No, and you know, technically, I'm really not even supposed to talk about this now. I don't think it really matters considering everything that's, that's happened. Um, I mean, you can look into it. I mean, I think uh, people have written articles about it. I know one's about to come out. Um, and when did Cloak and Dagger shut down? You said it shut down because so it shut down about a month after I quit, um, and I would say that was probably in March. I would say of March. this year. Yeah, because oh. yeah, we were doing. I had been with them for a little over a year, and we s- transitioned to doing things over Zoom. So like, I would do like crystal readings for people and shit over Zoom. Um, and you know whatever and uh but i just didn't want to do it anymore i was tired of it i wasn't using my magic for myself anymore and i 
I've I've heard some things. They're not. It's not really my story to tell, but I've heard. I've heard things from people that I worked with in that club. Um, yeah. That By the way, the, the, this podcast disseminates student audience is very uh, diverse in all over America. A lot of people in the East Coast. So there's not going to be cloak and dagger aficionados yeah. listen to this going yeah. like, oh, we, we got it. We got her. So I wouldn't worry too much about the repercussions. This yeah. is mostly people who are f- fans of comedy and entertainment in general. So, um, but this is really fascinating. I, I find everything about... There was oh fuck. What was that movie with Chris? That series with Chris Pine? I think it was on AMC about this famous dentist or doctor who kind of got involved with this shit, and a lot of it involved. Whenever you get people with a lot of money getting involved with esoteric shit, it seems like it always, always ends up using runaways and sometimes underage children. I don't know if it's underage, like twelve, but like just. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that's because they look at them as a source of energy and they need to have that in their environment or what? Adrenochrome. Do you believe in adrenochrome? To, to an extent. You didn't see any adrenochrome shit happen, did you? Uh, pause. No. No. Not per se. Not per se, but like some people feed off of other people's energy. That yes, is just, that is sure. a thing. I agree. I don't say this. I'm not high yet, but I will say this. Sometimes you can, and as a Kundalini yoga instructor, there's a time where I was very much in with my intuition. And now I'm like, oh, I don't give a fuck. But um, where you can make love to someone and afterwards feel like a shell of a human. Yes. Yes. And I imagine that might be something maybe more with women experience that than men. But I'm it's- left-handed, so I'm in touch with my feminine side. <laughs> 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 uh, my mom's left-handed probably yeah. explains why there you go my um sorry mom no offense um yeah so you can't talk too much in detail about what happened there but it was stuff that made you feel uncomfortable yep. at one point where you like i'm in a cult because i just saw this series on hbo called the vow have you seen it or heard no, about it no so the vow is about this um cult called nexium which was vaguely familiar yeah it was all over the news a couple of years ago and it sort of was you know propelled more into national fame during the me too movement and basically the leader of nexium this guy who was called the vanguard um there was a large consortium of women who created their own cult within the cult whose job was basically to fuck the guru to absorb his his teaching oh which God. by the way like Holy shit. I get it. Like, not a bad gig if you can, if that's a gig. Like, if you're someone looking for, if you want to start a cult and you got that type of charisma. I mean, you know, shit. I mean, if you got it, do your thing, but know that it's going to come back to you. Because of course. It did. I don't know what it is, why. And I've had this discussion and revolves on everything, like BLM, everything else. Like, there's something about the ring of power, right? Humans are not equipped to wield the ring of power. They had to give it to the Hobbit in Lord of the Rings. And the Hobbit couldn't even throw in the fucking volcano. Even the Hobbit was like, I want the fucking ring. You know, he had to be tackled into the volcano. So my point is, when you have the power of a cult and you have sycophants and people who will follow this blindly, like it will lead to abuse of power. It's what happened in Hollywood with Harvey Weinstein. It happens with with Bikram. You know, I don't know if you've watched the documentaries on Bikram. Mm, No. Oh my God, no? Mm Mm-mm. 
So again, another Indian guru who came to America to teach his, his yoga, Bikram yoga, hot yoga, all hot yoga is from Bikram. And um, sure enough, there were a lot of rumors that he was sleeping with his students and manipulating his students. And he was interviewed, I think, on 60 Minutes. And the woman said, it was almost like that Jack Nicholson moment in A Few Good Men, like, you can't handle the truth, where the woman said, you know, um, a lot of these women say that you molest them and took advantage of them. And he was like, these women are trash. They would be lucky for one drop of my sperm. Beautiful women line up around the block just to get one ounce of my sperm with $8 million. And once he said that, you could just see her go, I got you, motherfucker. I've revealed you to be a fucking predator. Wow. There are still, I just biked back from Venice today. There's a Bikram school on Venice. I can't believe that he's, his name is still being bandied about as some sort of fucking guru. The audacity. And the same thing with the Kundalini, Yogi Bhajan, who's the leader of the Kundalini movement in, uh, in America, who was ultimately my yogi when I started. He, you know, Apparently he was doing the same shit. So I feel like there's something about giving these people not only financial power, but this sort of nebulous spiritual power that just lends itself to shady shit honestly honestly i know i have a good heart but sometimes i'm scared of that sure i'm like i'm like uh dad can you like keep me the fuck in check because like like i don't know i mean i trust myself but like i mean i guess i left cloak which was a really good sign (laughs) but you left cloak because it was zooming and it was boring for you you didn't leave because of... Come on, let's be honest. You're not a fucking hero. I'm just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> no, kidding. that's true though. Fuck that. <laughs> that's true, honestly. I was tired of it. It um, sucked. But you said, now, is there something that you can talk about, Cloak and Dagger, where you kind of go, this is this is something... Because back to the next same thing, uh, uh, this woman just started seeing weird behavior with other women. And she noticed the change in behavior and how they started getting way, way more sycophantic and they just started saying shit that she was weird. She felt uncomfortable. And so she's like, I'm, I'm out of here. And she told her husband, who's also in Nexium, about this. And um, there's a great quote that I think was in this series where, where it's easier to fool someone than to convince someone they've been fooled. So once you're in the cult, you know, like you can be fooled because you're convinced it's going to... That's deep as fuck. Fix your, yeah, it's amazing. It's what's happening with Trump, 100%. Because even if these people, everything that you see about Trump, these people are not going to be like, well, fuck, I was wrong. To say that you were wrong about your belief system, same thing with Scientology. All these people get ensconced in Scientology. Then they I found out- I just don't know where Shelly is, dude. Who's Shelly? Uh, that was uh, uh, Miscavige's wife. Yeah, is she missing? She's been missing. <laughs> oh my God, no. She's obviously dead. I mean, it's fucking terrible to say, but clearly she's I mean, dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yes, people Shit. get killed. And then Nexium, they, they've also kind of looked into the fact that this guy at Nexium had people killed. And he would do it in really weird, subtle, hard-to-prove ways. Like, women around him just started getting cancer. And cancer isn't a drug that you look at. There's a direct causality. But then when they did autopsies, they would find traces of barium and shit in their blood, meaning that somehow they were ingesting these heavy metals that you wouldn't get just from normal consumer goods. So, um, obviously it's going to be hard to prove. He's probably going to get away with it, but at the same time, that is one of the ways that people, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm blowing your mind right now. It's the weed. Okay. Yeah. So you, so what's the worst thing you heard about cloak and dagger that, that, that kind of scared you? 
fuck, man. Come on. Okay, all right, all right. If I die, it wasn't suicide. Uh, <laughs> no, um, basically I heard from the owner himself. He told me, he told me that um, there's, there's a couple things. So there's, there's like two owners, basically. The first one basically told me that he was putting subliminal messages because he was also the DJ. So he said he was putting subliminal messages in his music to control people. Um, he said that to me. Mm-hmm. He said that to me. And then the other Why? Owner, By the way, just so you know, as a way of like showing how cool he is. I mean, he's a DJ, so... But like, is that to show... Is that a way of to show value to you? Whether... I don't think so. I don't know why he told me that because I was immediately like, yo, what the fuck? Like yeah. whether or not it's true, whether or not it works, the fact that that's, that that is what his intention was, sure. was not cool. Of course. Um, and then the other owner told one of my coworkers there, I guess in a private zoom call that, um, she had asked him as part of like an immersive thing. Um, if you could have one power, what would it be? And he said, I would want to control everyone and everyone around me or everyone and everything around me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I guess he, he went into it a little bit, but I don't know. It was just really unsettling that, yeah. that someone would have those intentions and the fact that they were both running that club with those. And you're experiencing the loss of energy and the yeah. loss of chi and you're wondering yeah. about this. And they started, you know, they didn't pay us a lot, but like as they, you know, saw, what I was doing, they would put more on my plate. And so I would, I spent like a month learning this whole like immersive ritual that wasn't my own. Um, but I memorized it and would do it for people. Um, and then eventually they had me lead my own rituals for like the club, um, that I, I kind of just brought in my own thing, but they would have me do that. And then I started doing crystal readings. And so they would have me come in. I would show up immediately do a million crystal readings for people and then do a ritual for the entire club and then for the rest of the night until 2 a.m. be downstairs in the basement doing like a 15-20 minute ritual for people privately. Yeah. So it was just exhausting and they didn't pay us enough and um, there were there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things. So at did. one point, because what you're saying sounds very similar to a lot of things you hear about Nexium and Scientology, which is this sort of informal slave laborers mm-hmm. where they get these people who are indoctrinated to the belief system, which is enough to make them work slave hours with slave wages, right? And, yeah, and because I also loved what I did, like I yeah. cared about those people because the people who went to the club were great for the most part. Yeah. They were great. Um, they would, were, would people come to the club like, hey, I have a, like I have lupus or I have a problem or I have a, I feel like I'm missing my soul and would they come in just random people that they would hear about it or how would they come into it? So, the only way to get into Cloak was if you knew someone who was a member, because you have to be a member. And then once you go however many times as a guest, you might be chosen. They would like look at your Instagram and decide. They would see how you cool dance to the DJ music. They, yeah, they would see you know if you were cool enough, and then they would, uh, yeah, have you be a member. So it was the type of thing where the club was inordinately hot people. Pretty much. I yeah. mean, yeah. I would okay. I would say because um, that's how you I mean those are the influencers the people that are really attractive you get them to kind of yeah. bring other people I mean in. they yeah. had they had all kinds of people which also was really difficult like some people that went to the club don't believe that all of this is true because 
um, of the incredible experiences that they've had there. Of like, course, that's in, true with all these places. Yeah. Scientology, next example, yeah. Yeah. So when did it go tits up in a ditch? Like what happened? Was it a financial thing? I, I know you said something. We said there are articles that are coming out, but. Yeah. Um, it's closed now, so you have some safety in that. <laughs> yeah, I, they're not coming back. They're done. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, when did things kind of start? Well, for you said Cloak and Dagger has been, has been shut down. This has been very recently. Oh, yeah. So what were the things that led to that? So they did a, um, it was around the time that the BLM protests were, you know, happening. And I think... I think it was George Floyd who had just died and maybe Brianna Taylor and Cloak had a live stream and someone addressed that they had never said anything about Black Lives Matter because mm -hmm. they, everyone thought that's why they were calling this meeting because they include everybody. Sure. And and the first thing you know they said essentially was why aren't y'all paying more to do these private things we're doing on Zoom? And they were like, yo, what the fuck? That's not cool. And so they didn't address that and also um, some like, I guess, celebrities you could say that would come to the club had like groped some people and it was brought to the owner's attention. And because they were famous, nothing was done about it. And so that was brought up then. They were called so out in the Zoom and uh, it all just... Wow, they were called out in the Zoom. In front of everybody. And how so many How many people is everybody in the Zoom? 50 people? I don't know people, how many were there. 100? I don't know how many were there. Yeah. Um, probably probably around 50 i would say maybe yeah um but i didn't see it unfortunately and but that's yeah. also that's also a very interesting thing about human psychology is whenever you're in any group and this is the problem with the police right now and there's an issue you keep it in your ranks you close in the ranks and you try to figure out there i mean people love to shit on the catholic church because of the, the pedophilia and they're like how are these these not reported to the police but like that's just what you do I mean, in public schools, the amount of molestations happen in public schools is fucking astronomical. You don't hear about that because there's a lot of forces that are trying to protect the image of public schools. Yep. So, anyway, um, this was called out during Zoom. Oh, too bad you weren't on that fucking meeting. I know, dude. <laughs> I know. How'd you hear about it? Um, I think one of the girls that I worked with there reached out to me and she was like, hey, girl, are you seeing this? And I was like, what? And then... uh because stuff had also blown up on an Instagram post. Um, that the From former had. members? No, um, it was the uh, Cloak's Instagram. So this thing was posted, and I think after the girl called them out on Zoom, she immediately went to Instagram and called them out on Instagram as well. Good so, for her. So people would, yeah, she's And it's basically shit. like there was, there was sexual misconduct yep. that was being covered or was also being enacted by people who were running it. Both both yep okay absolutely so and that would how would that manifest itself like on when the dj spinning music they would go out and just start groping people or no, is it other no, more, it was more awful like ways he would like message the members and Got be it. like hey come to my house and let's watch scary movies and cuddle and he would like just sleep with all of them and yeah. then ditch them and so they'd all come into the club and he's got all these girls around him you know yeah and um so it was like a lot of that and mm -hmm. Same with both of the owners were doing that essentially. And yeah. So and was there something, was there anything in the, um, in the protocol of the program where that was considered verboten? Cause I know Nexium when they 
address Keith Raniere, the Vanguard guy, about it. He's like, yes, I'm sleeping with some. That's how that's their journey, and that's our journey together. And I know you guys might not like it, but that's just part of the. And it was just a very weird. And you could see it's, members going like, "What are you saying, asshole?" I think. Yeah, I mean, when you are in a position, you know, of power, you you don't do that to people. Yeah. Particularly people who are your employees, obviously, yeah. or your clients, for sure. And they're, you know, people are paying you, and they're coming into your space because you're advertising it as a safe space. Yeah, trust you. And you're manipulating you. people. That's and awful. So it all just blew up at the same time. Like, once that one girl mentioned the one thing, everyone came out and was like, oh, and this happened That's always me, how it happens, happened. yeah. Yep. Great. And then, so. then the LA Times got a hand, uh, right? Yep. And how the LA Times get in touch with you? Just they called every uh, former member. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did you feel, because I had something happen to me, and I also talked about this podcast, where there was a lot of sexual misconduct with comics, right? Oh, and yeah. I don't know if you heard about that, but I was called by a woman at CNN and said, listen, I've been calling around. A lot of people say to talk to you because you're like, you have a good reputation. You have a good guy. There's nothing about you that says, but you also know this particular comic and um and it was very weird because at one point i'm like well i talk about my podcast i like to think that i'm i have integrity with my word so i'll say what i know which really wasn't that much i really didn't know that much as a matter of fact after my conversation i was like i think i'm i just defended this guy from these allegations because allegations were about pedophilia and i i don't believe those were to be true about drugging and raping women which i don't believe to be true and then exposing himself, I was like, maybe because like comics, like male comics is a thing that they do with other guys on stage. It's like a kind of a running joke think, in the community. I, I know who this is. Of course, yeah. About yeah. Him. So anyway, the point is like, I just made one comment like, oh, well, the exposed himself may be true because he would do it around guys as a joke. And she used my quote, changed my quote and made it look like I kind of was coming after him. And of course, that's what he feels right now. That's all of his friends feel right now. A lot of people want to blackball me comedy because of that. So it was a, my point is, it that's, was a very scary moment. Yeah. But I also was like, I felt manipulated by CNN. She was obviously going for the story. That's what reporters do. So when you're talking to the LA Times, was there any part of you that was trepidant um, about that, that you were like, maybe I shouldn't? Or did you talk to people? I honestly... Everyone that I talked to said that the person that was talking to everybody was really, um, seemed really cool and honest and, um, you know, like we could all be open and we wouldn't have anything to worry about. And of course, because that's the game. That's what you do. It's like a lawyer, like, hey man, I'm on your side. By the way, you owe me $5,000 for this meeting. You know, Shit. it's the same thing. Lawyer's going for the money. Yeah, going I for mean, the I story. guess we'll see. I mean, So the article sees- isn't out yet? No, not yet. Oh my God. Uh, but I guess so. I guess though, the girl who, um, like the main girl who worked at Cloak, um, I guess they contacted her first, and she told me that she read the almost finished article, and she said everything looked good. So um, I have yet to see it. I mean, I trust her judgment. So we'll see. Yeah. But Did you say things where you're like, uh, no? Not really. No. I mean, although um, I mentioned that I was like from Alaska and shit and that I like have kidney stones <laughs> at some point. Which <laughs> I don't like, think they're going to use that article. Yeah, no, that part. no. But like I was like, oh shit, are like people going to realize it's me? And the only reason I worry is because like I signed an NDA and... 
Well, I think there's there's a weird thing with NDAs, which I have a real I have a real fucking problem with NDAs in general. Yeah. I understand why they exist, but usually what they're being used for, what they're being used for now, I think writ large in America is basically you're paying people off to not talk about your sexual misconduct. It's just you're just paying people off. Cuz basically you go this person did this. I mean, I don't know how many NDAs were signed with Harvey Weinstein. We don't know because they're NDAs. Yeah. But I think, same thing with Bill Cosby, but when this stuff came out, it brought up the question of like, at which point do the NBAs become null and void? Yeah. You know. For sure. And I think, you know, that's the point that we're at. So, um, But yeah, I imagine I mean, if not... this woman came forward, she must be a little bit afraid for her life to a degree or her career or something. I mean, I think she probably is, but she's badass. Like, she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. So She thinks it's more important, which is yeah. usually the case. I, I honestly, I'm really proud of her. Like, these things are so important. And I just kind of knew that shit was weird. And I just kind of peacefully, quietly, you know, left. Yeah. And was like, okay, well, I don't want to, bye. Yeah. So, um, but she, she stood up to it. And she wasn't even an employee. She was a member. Yeah. So. Okay. Great. So that's over. And then where, where does that leave you in terms of you as a witch? Just your own private practice? Now and your I'm own just pro- practicing for myself and I do like private readings and rituals and a girl that I work with came over recently and, and um, yeah, we did a little ritual and a little crystal reading and I taught her kind of how to do it because she was curious. So when I let her borrow my books, I gave her like three of my books to read. Um, yeah, I'm really just using that energy for me now. How does that... Um, intersect with your acting because obviously acting is still your main passion right yeah do you find that like let's say you have an audition a big audition do you find that you use witchcraft to manifest outcomes no 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 and this is the thing. i would shit if i had that <laughs> in, a, in a way i do and honestly i i think the reason that i am sitting here today right now is because of all of the shit that i did when i was a kid like I growing up, I would I have crazy stories of like when I was in like middle school in my science class, we had like laptops and we were working on them and I was so fucking bored and it was winter and I didn't want to be there. And so I went on Google Earth and looked up Hollywood Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, and I sat there on Google Earth and was on Street View and just looked through it and just like imagined as if I was living here and and yeah I mean I was in middle school I didn't know that I would ever even end up here I sure. never thought I'd have the chance so um, I would do things like, like that yeah and um, I would listen to my favorite songs and just like hardcore visualize the things that I wanted and that was it and I just yeah I mean I think most most life coaches, sports coaches, visualization is such a huge part of how they should, you know, achieve any goal that they want to do. It's powerful. So how has acting been going for you when you're out here as, you, as you've been out here? It's been amazing. I actually got really, really lucky my first year. The first year I was out here, um, I had been in class for a few months and I got an audition. It was my first audition ever. And... And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I've never done this. I'm really nervous, but let's see how it goes. So I went, did the audition. All they told me was, okay, come in, make us uncomfortable. That's it. Yeah. So I was like, cool, went in, did my thing. And then after realized that the audition was for the director of the Saw movies that were like my favorites growing up. Like my dad bought me all the Saw movies because we just Is that Eli Roth? 
Huh? Is that Eli Roth? Uh, David Bowsman. Or not David uh, Bowsman. Darren Bowsman. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So I did that and then I ended up booking it. It was for Theater Macabre, this immersive thing. Uh-huh. And that was my first gig. What was it called? Out here. Uh, Theater Macabre. I've heard of Theater Macabre, but what was the yeah. production called? It was just the called production? Theater Macabre. Yeah, it was just Theater Okay, Macabre. I thought that was the name of the company. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I got really lucky. And um, from there, I mean, I've been in class. I'm not in class right now, but I'm just, things are kind of like falling into my lap as, uh-huh. as I'm going through this. And I'm kind of just going with the flow. Um, I shot my first Lifetime movie in june i think Was, is it a christmas one no, no oh it's not. damn i love um, those christmas lifetime movies <laughs> they're so good when you're stoned yeah it's it's not that but um i was kind of was it a big role it no not necessarily i would have been in quite a few scenes although they had to cut it like in half because i was playing like a doctor kind of thing like a doctor's assistant and i was supposed to like resuscitate somebody but we couldn't shoot that because of covid <laughs> So like, and there were scenes where I was supposed to be, you know, with a group of people or whatever, and I didn't get to do any of that, unfortunately, but I'm in a few scenes in it, but it's still cool because it's like, yeah. I, it's going to be my first like time. And on now TV you're in with the and lifetime and people and yeah, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, and they're really cool. They're really, really cool. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. I shot a music video with, um, do you know, happen to know James Duvall, the Frank, the bunny from Donnie Darko? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I shot a music video with him, and that was super fun, because I, like, I'm still so, like, giddy about it, because I used to watch that movie with my dad, and, like, Mm -hmm. he scared the shit out of me, (laughs) and so I was super excited to do that, Um, but yeah, that was in, like, I want to say, like, February, something like that, so, I mean... I've done some things here and there, but the things that I do are really cool. So yeah, I'm which is important. And they, that. you feel like you get to be fully expressed as an artist, yeah. which is like the most important thing. And I feel like I'm living like my childhood dream. Like I still feel really <laughs> like, you know, green and whatever. Yeah, well, you are green. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's, you should feel green. Yeah. Um, did you have explicit goals that you want? Like you go, here's my five-year goal. Is there something that you really want to hit? Oh yeah, I, um, so I want to say maybe like my main three goals, one, to be in Star Wars, two, to be in, um, American Horror Story somewhere, three, to be on Joe Rogan's podcast, and... Well, you gotta go to Austin now. Oh, is that where he is? He moved to Austin, yeah. Oh, well, good for him. Yeah. Shoot. Um, yeah, I want to play Tarna in a live action heavy metal. What's Tarna? Have you ever seen Heavy Metal? Oh my God, from like 79 or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to play her in a live action. That wouldn't that. be a bad thing to bring back. Why don't you write it? Me write it? I don't think... It's, sound, it's, it's COVID, time to pivot. Be a writer, be a producer, be I everything. I don't even know where to begin. With a computer. That shit, I don't even have that. <laughs> I'm broke as hell. <laughs> no yeah i mean yeah it's not a bad idea very cool so those are those are some great awesome goals do you have any short-term goals that you're like just to kind of wrap up the year um not really i actually kind of like the smaller goals i've i've actually got i've been you know kind of couch surfing and living in studios since i've been in la and now i'm living in a house with one other person in highland park and i have my own room with a door i have my own door you have a dude. door I have a fucking door and i have a Whoa. closet wow. that i can put my now you're just in. now you're just bragging yeah 
<laughs> so, uh, and I have my cat. I didn't have my cat here for two and a half years because I was yeah. trying to get settled. Yeah. And so I finally got him here. And That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really awesome. We've been, we've been talking for a long time and I'm sure there's more we can talk about. I'm fascinated by all this stuff. Maybe there's stuff you can say off the record too. But I want people to get to know you and, uh, and check out your work. So where can people find you? Where's the best way for people to follow you? Uh, at Blake Rose, B-L-A-Y-K-E-R-O-S-E on Instagram. And I also make uh, jewelry, personalized jewelry out of crystals that I put a witchy intention into. Ah, I like and that. So that Instagram, if you're interested, is Zoe's Gems, Z-O-W-I-E-S-G-E-M-S. It's pretty cool shit. It's a resin. Um, yeah, so those are the best places you can find me. Thank you for having awesome. me. Awesome. Thank this you so much fun. for coming. And, uh, and uh, hopefully you can come back after the LA Times article yes. <laughs> comes out. Yes. And we we'll, have a discussion about that. We will talk about that. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for signing on, guys. Bye-bye.